Well, hey, everybody, and welcome back to another incredible, one-of-a-kind, never-been-heard-before-like-this episode of The Clydes, the place where nothing is off-limits and we discuss things that we're walking through in our everyday lives. Today, we're continuing with part two of looking at our uh, spiritual disciplines, and this time, we're moving from the N-word inward, not the inward. Stop. We're moving past the inward disciplines to those that are directed outward. And as always, I'm joined by my incredible co-host, the one, the only, Elizabeth Clyde. It's me. Before we get into the episode, we have to say what is your favorite thing that's happened so far this week? I knew you were going to ask that, and I did not come prepared. Did you have... You had a better week this week than last week, though. Yeah, no, much better. Um, depressed Taylor has kind of taken a hiatus, and he's he's gone for a little bit. Um, my favorite thing that has happened this week, I, I enjoy very deep conversations with coworkers, and I know that sounds a little bit strange, but I like whenever people are vulnerable and in deep with me because I like to be vulnerable and deep with them. It just kind of helps me feel a little bit more connected to them. So I got to have a really great conversation with a good friend uh, this week and got to encourage them. And it was, it was nice. It was really life giving. So that was probably my favorite thing that I've done this week. What about you? So I did get my nails done this week. So that always makes me feel a little bad and bougie. Thank you there. Um, emerald green but the reason why I got green is because it matches my new journal and I'm very excited for that it's just the little things in life so I always am in search for the perfect planner journal everything Mm. yeah and so I decided I bought this really nice it's called a5 size it's like a tiny little binder and I forget what I'm the buying, measurements are that A5 relates to. Yeah, I'm not but, sure either, but it's yeah. like a small binder. So pretty much, and I bought the tab dividers, I bought the pages, I bought like dotted pages, like dotted little things so I can draw. I'm going to buy calendar inserts. So I'm going to create my own dream planner. It's exciting. So I'm excited to get started with that. And who knows, it could be like this big empire branding. This could be the start of like my, my planner empire. <laughs> Boss babe. You never know. It's, it's probably true. won't. I it's, don't even think I'm going to make it six months, but I'm going to try. I don't know. I don't put anything past you. You're you are surprising. Long dramatic pause. Period, surprising period, <laughs> a surprising dot, dot, dot. Well, Liz, why are we talking about spiritual disciplines in the first place? How did we even start this conversation for some context? We started this conversation because my husband was a negative Nancy. That's me. And yes, that's him. And so he was just kind of hating a lot of things. He was like, he wasn't really happy with his work. He wasn't really happy um, with like our relationships. So he was wanting a change. And I was like, hey, sir, like all for change, leader of my household, love you. But I need to make sure you are right with God before you try and uproot your whole life just because you're feeling a little depressed. Yeah. And so there thus began... The conversation. Last weekend, basically. Yep. <laughs> it's been pretty recent. I can't lie. Um, people are always like, how are you feeling? Um, not that they knew, but that's just like a question. Like, hey, how are you doing? And I would always go, man, because again, I'm an oversharer. I would always let them know like, man, past couple months, past couple weeks have been kind of hard. But 
we turned a corner this weekend and it's been pretty good. So, so you worked on inside last week. Yeah, we did. And now we're going to talk about the four outward spiritual disciplines. So exactly. what are those? Four outward disciplines. Again, guys, we're referencing Richard Foster's book, Celebration of Discipline, which I have in front of me right now. And it's really cool. The pages are yellow. It's well, because just it's, old. Well, we did this it. in undergrad, so don't date us that much. Come yeah, on. Yeah, true. And we probably stored it outside in the shed or something. No. I've, I've read this book even <laughs> after undergrad. I think you've like referenced it too. It's, it. it's a gem. Yeah, I do reference it, it quite a bit. So last week we talked about inward spiritual disciplines. This week we're talking about four outward spiritual disciplines. And those are simplicity. simplicity. Solitude. I'm not doing this. You you asked me the you asked me the question. Well, you paused, and I thought we were going to do like a thing where we say it together, no. all cutesy, whatever. The Go four ahead. hour disciplines that he references are simpli- simplicity, simplicity, solitude, submission, and service. service. Simplicity, solitude, submission, and service. So let's break each one of these down in the next thirty minutes, and let's give some quotes. I don't have any stats for you. Um, no stats. Sorry, everybody. But I've, we probably have some really great um, points and practical things we can give. But also, I want to. we've got some reflection questions that we'll pose to each other um, and ultimately to you, I guess, a little bit too. So bless you. Thank you. Uh, so let's kick off with simplicity. Let's talk about simplicity. In this chapter in the book, um, just as a broad overview, Foster's talking about the discipline of simplicity. Uh, He argues that the modern world has become really complicated. And that, I think, makes a lot of sense to us. Um, We can see that with just about everything from relationships to the things we own. Apple just had a press conference release thing, and now I want the new phone and the new Series 9 watch, which can let me double tap my fingers and answer in reject calls. It's it's so complex living in the world today. And it's full of distractions, he says, that really move us from our spiritual pursuits. So instead, Foster is encouraging a lifestyle of simplicity, not as like a law, because remember, we're not trying to be legalistic with this stuff, but as a means to seek the kingdom of God first. So simplicity. One of my favorite things he says in this chapter is three words. It's a three-word sentence. I love short sentences. He says, simplicity is freedom. Simplicity is is freedom. So Liz, how do you define simplicity in your own life? Yeah, so when I think of simplicity, um, I remember I, I read it somewhere. And when you look around, you see all kinds of stuff around you, right? And yeah. everything can have a monetary value. But when you look at all the stuff around you, that stuff represents money, but that money also represents time. time. Yeah, okay. And so the more simple you live, it's really also time freeing wow, as well. That's wild. And so you kind of you look at all the things and you're like, "Yay, I have all the nice things, but I had to work and sacrifice time with my family to get the nice thing or I had to sacrifice my time with God." Sleep. Sleep. Yeah. And I when I was getting my nails done, Tiny House Nation was um on in the background. <laughs> And so, you know, I was watching that uh, with the the subtitles and whatnot. (laughs) But then like one of the big things they had to do was because they're going from this big house to, and they wanted to live tiny, they had to do a purge. And so they only got six shopping bags in their whole house. insane. Yeah. And so what a lot of, what they found was it's more freedom to live with less. Like, do you really need three cooking pots? Now you have three things to dirty up, to pile up, (laughs) to... 
You know what I mean? Like yeah, okay. versus you just having one pot and being more mindful with how you use that one pot. Right. Versus um, the three getting dirty. Because I mean, there's mm. been seasons where every single dish was dirty because I didn't have time or I chose not to make time to clean it. And we have a lot of dishes. We do have a lot of dishes, but yes. right now they're all clean. Praise God. <laughs> yeah, that's a really cool correlation there between um, uh, simplicity and time. I've referenced, I think I talked about it in a couple of other episodes um, back, but that made for challenge. And one of the the things with the made for challenge, it's kind of cool. It broke it up into 12 different month long challenges. One was like hydration. Mm -hmm. One was breath work, which is when we talked about meditation last week. Uh, One is gratitude. And then there's a whole slew of other ones that I can't remember right now. But one of my favorite things about that is that you kind of set an intention in the very beginning of who you want to be at the end of it. And so that whole process, my goal was to free up time to be present to those around me. So instead of being so absorbed in working so much and being a workaholic and doing all the things and amassing all of the stuff and having all the latest tech and all the cool things, the toys and all that kind of stuff that we, we always crave so much for, I wanted to live a more simple life. And that kind of has played out in my own, like, it sounds silly, but um, it's the idea like of a capsule wardrobe that some people will literally have like 20 items total of clothes that includes socks, belts, shoes, all that stuff, like 20 things. It's crazy. Um, and I, I definitely did not go that that steep, but I did try to really narrow down the amount of clothes I had. So now every January I buy one pair of black jeans. I own one pair of black jeans and I have two pairs of blue jeans because I was feeling greedy that day when I bought them. And I've got some t-shirts and I've got a couple of nice dress shirts that I'll wear for things that, that need that a couple suits and things like that. But it was a season of my life where at one point I was buying clothes every weekend to try to present a successful image and try to be this whatever, uh, in front of people. And when I did that, he says simplicity is freedom. It really was freeing because one, I wasn't stressing about what I was going to wear in the morning. And then two, I just realized when I let go of that and I realized well, by letting go of that, I realized that people didn't, you know, give two rips about what I wear. They didn't notice. I think you like almost did a social experiment where you wore the same thing every single day and no oh, one yeah. noticed. No, I, I had a friend that literally laughed and, and uh, you know, in, in, in good fun, she referenced my uniform that I wore, which at that time was a black t-shirt and black jeans well, and black I think shoes. During that time, you had two pairs of black jeans because you alternated it and you had four black t-shirts. Yeah, so no, you literally, literally like wore, and so that day. way it was always clean, mm-hmm. but I was obsessed was with fun. Matt Diavella. Mm-hmm. He was a big productivity nerd on YouTube. Yeah, I, I never really felt the need to simplify my wardrobe. I probably should, but I'm such a hoarder. So I actually struggle with living mm, simplified. Jesus. Whatever, oh, you just want more closet space. But I'm helping let's you. Let's pray right now for lit- no, Stop. I'm, I'm helping you live simply by not giving you closet space. Ooh. So you're welcome. What a turn of events. I didn't see that coming. Mm-hmm. So he also says that simplicity in this chapter, he says simplicity is the only thing that sufficiently, this is kind of big words. So we got to focus on everybody. Simplicity is the only thing that sufficiently reorients our lives so that possessions, can be genuinely enjoyed, which is what we want. That's why we buy them in the first place without destroying us. Mm-hmm. That's the goal. We want to have the iPhone. We want to have the the TV. We want to have the nice clothes, but we don't want that stuff to destroy us or to become our entire personality. Mm-hmm. So 
what do you think, um, before we move into that next section, in what ways can simplicity bring us closer to God, do you think? It's a weird question, right? It is. I feel like because you have less distractions, the more simple you live. Yeah. And so it naturally, you can see God with less distractions. Mm, yeah, yeah. That when you said that, it made me think about when I'm driving, and you know, you're you got the steering wheel, you've got the dashboard, you got the the windshield. Imagine if you're driving and you just start putting um, vases of flowers all on the dashboard. They're awesome. I like flowers. Flowers are pretty. There's flowers downstairs. Granted, Actually, they're no, dying. I just threw them away. Dang, Sorry. they were dying, and we there have a small my whole group picture. coming. But continue. They're still down there. There's no. In the you trash. threw the picture away. They're in the trash, we but they're still on. there. Okay. Well, we need to move on for time's sake, anyway. Okay, but really quickly. Imagine okay. you're driving. Okay. Driving. This is a really good picture, mm-hmm. and you just start putting these beautiful vases of flowers on the windshield. They're amazing. They're good things. They smell great, and they add life to your car. But sooner or later, the more that you put up there, the less you can see. Right. Mm-hmm. When you're driving, you've got flowers in your face now instead of seeing what you need to see. So I love the way that you just said the more stuff you have, the less you're able to see God. And again, y'all, we're not trying to make a case that you should live a minimalist lifestyle or you should live a life that does you don't have anything, right? Because that, that's definitely not what we're saying. But the goal is to live, live simply so that your possessions can be enjoyed without destroying you, right? Mm-hmm. And you can have cool stuff, but you're not you know, destroyed by it. So simplicity, be simple. Just do it. Just do it. Moving on. Yeah. What else we got, Liz? Um, I, I, I struggle with this one too. Mm. I think I like inward crushing it outward. Um, solitude. I don't like being alone. I like, even if we just sit and do nothing, and don't talk. We're doing it together, and it's great. Like, yeah. Even some of my besties, like, we've taken like naps, like on separate ends of the couch, and mm. it's just it's a great friendship we have. <laughs> <laughs> so, give us kind of an overview of what Foster talks about in in this chapter as he talks about solitude. Yeah, pretty much. He presents solitude as a necessary counterbalance to a world filled with noise. And distractions. So he explains that okay. solitude helps us uh, detach from influences of society so yeah. we can be transformed by the divine love. In solitude, we can confront our inner demons, which is probably why I don't <sighs> like it, Man. discover our true selves, and grow closer to God. So it definitely, it's kind of, it goes in correlation with simplicity, like where you want to block out the distraction and the noise so you can just focus on God. Yeah. And like nothing else matters. Mm. That is really good. I I love what you said about confronting inner demons because that truthfully, we talked about meditation last week and that's why one of the reasons besides my lack of a, you know, expansive attention span, but this right here is a major reason why I struggle with being alone. Um, I don't want to face my thoughts. I don't want to face my inner demons, the stuff that I've been shoving down, you know, by working a lot or, you know, pumping music through my ears 24-7. I don't want to confront the stuff that I've been right. trying well, to compartmentalize. And this is so important 
to have the inward disciplines um, in practice because if you don't have the inward discipline in practice and you go into solitude, well, which voice is going to be louder? Is mm-hmm. it going to be the voice of God in your life or is it going to be the voice of the world? Is it going to be saying, I am fearfully and wonderfully made despite my circumstances or are you going to feel not good enough because that's what the world is telling you? Yeah. So solitude can be very scary, but also very powerful. I feel like it's a double-edged sword. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, let's break it down. What is what is solitude practice? Sorry, gosh, that was painful. We solitude. This this sounds really vague as we're talking about it. What what is solitude practically like? What are some like? What does this look like? Because I'm kind of I'm well, hazy on this. Oh, are you going to tell me what it looks like? No, no not rhetorical. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, okay. Was, like, what's your perspective? So I feel like it looks like um, waking up early in the morning. This is just for me. Waking up early in the morning. And spending time with Jesus. So it could be in correlation to your Bible reading or to your meditation, but it's being intentional and alone with God. Because yes, it's cute to have a thriving relationship with your spouse, and it's great to have accountability partners, but you can't mm. rely on their faith to get you through your circumstances. Oh, 100%. You have yeah. to like develop it yourself. Yep. And so I feel like also in the solitude, that's where God can refine us and really like minister to our hearts. That's really good. I think the more we talk about it, that and that refining almost, it can't happen. Maybe it can, but I think it best happens when we're alone. And so the more we talk about this, I think that solitude, if you want to break it down into a simple word, if you want to understand what it looks like, practically what it can look like for you, it just means being alone. Mm-hmm. Get alone. Don't spend your life constantly surrounded by people and noise and things. Why? Because people carry opinions and opinions are confusing. Well, even like account, even like good opinions and like biblical opinions, like you also want to hear from the Lord, the wow, the Lord yourself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and opinions as good as they are, they can be confusing and there is wisdom in the multitude of counsel. Mm-hmm. I understand that scripture says that. However, the more opinions you get, come on, you know. You get lost through the vines. You drown in mm-hmm. good advice and it becomes so, so difficult. So, Or worse, you start relying on that person for good ooh, advice. Yeah. But in the reality, we are all, you know, human. We all mm-hmm. make mistakes. We are not all knowing. Right. And goodness forbid, you could get some bad advice from a very trusted person and you take that advice as the word of God when it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And now like you can go through a big rabbit trail of God, are you good? Was that you? Like, how did you fail me when God didn't do anything? Like you went and listened to man. Yep. And I think you just described probably what is the most impactful part of solitude. Uh, what is that scripture that Jesus talks about, oh, is, I think it's Jesus. Um, I should know this, but I can't recall it right now. But he says, the sheep, basically my sheep know my voice. Mm-hmm. And I always used to share this as a worship leader. I would always encourage people, hey, this these moments are great in these corporate settings. We're all together. This is amazing. But if you are not spending time praying alone, if you are not spending time just being with the Lord, not mm-hmm. doing anything, not serving, not doing any of that stuff. But if you are not having that time in solitude with the Lord, you will never know what his voice sounds like. 
So when those opinions come, you will never be able to distinguish this is God or this is just man. This is good advice and this is God advice. And I think that the more time you spend in solitude, the more time that the Lord is, not the more time, but the more that God is able to fill you up because you're not full of all the noise, the the Spotify playlists or the activities or Mm -hmm. the other things, you know? So, and I think those are all obstacles that, that keep us from spending time in solitude. Yeah. And we're so afraid to be alone. Like it's, it's in our nature to need community. Are you, did you say that you were afraid of being alone? Um, it's more like my own thought with my inner demons type sure. deal. Um, and I just like people. I get energized uh, in a big crowd, but it's important because if you are always surrounding yourself with people and you're always pouring out, but you're not getting alone with God and getting in, like getting filled in, right. you're going to get burned out. And burnout is very scary in the church. It's very sad. Happens way too often. It really does, yeah. It is it is so sad and it is so common. Mm-hmm. And the pastor can get burnout, the volunteers, the um it's just so easy. It doesn't mean like no one is shielded from burnout. It doesn't matter your position or your title. Yeah. You have to protect your heart. You can love your job, but the longer you do something, the more time that you spend putting up with things. And you shove those disappointments and discouragements down without dealing with them properly. Yeah, it puts you in a pretty bad place. So, okay, so we talked about simplicity. We talked about solitude. We talked about, uh, let's talk about the Look, next one, actually. I'm good at this one, I, I feel like. We're going to have to fly not to these, brag. Yeah. by the way. It's fine. So you hit the last one. You were the geared up to one? say this. Oh, well, yeah, I was talking. The next one, submission. Yeah. I feel like I'm pretty good. It's not the last one, though. Uh, I know. You, you got the last one, though. You you want to take submission? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's up to you. You want to play rock, paper, scissors real quick to see who gets it? No, I want to see who, who submits. Oh. oh. I'm just kidding. Tell us about submission if you I want mean, to. I mean, like, I was like, do you really want it? I'm confused. <laughs> I was trying to submit to you. God. <laughs> submission it. Like, and so I hate that submission has such a negative word. Yeah. And even like joking early at the it's beginning. It's a weak of, word, man. You're weak for submitting. Yeah. Joking about like the beginning of the podcast, like I want to submit to you, but I need you to, you know, hear from the Lord. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, and it doesn't just mean in your marriage. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. So it like the seven acts of submission that Foster describe is submission to God, the scripture, family, neighbors, the body of Christ, which is the church. The broken, the world. Like, it can be to anyone. Right. And so another word for submission can be servant. Like, servant to just serving others. And so I feel like, especially in the church world, we do that often. And I have to be careful to submit without strings. Mm -hmm. Because that's hard for me. That's why I wanted to talk about this. Because Mm. um, I will find myself getting into a tizzy because I'm like, I did so much for this person. I I gave them a place to stay when they didn't have a place to stay. I've like shared this with them. I've done that. Right. Or I've um, I was like, how dare they like take a like do this right. after I've done all this for them? Yep. Like I was like, do you not know what I've done? For, but I'm like, no. When you submit to others, you are serving them. Yep. You are trying to um, you're putting their needs above your own, and so it says in scripture. 
Um, it was in Matthew. I can't tell you the verse right now, but I just read it. But like Jesus was like, you did not visit me in prison. You did not give me clothes. You did not feed me when I was hungry. You did not do this. You did not do that. And the disciples were like, what are you talking about? Like, mm-hmm. when were you in prison? When were you needing clothes? When, <laughs> did when I miss did you, that? Like, like, what the heck? And so pretty much the Lord was like, like, do this for your brother. So it's real hard. It is really hard. And you, you dipped into a little bit of the last outward spiritual gift that we're going to, or uh, spiritual discipline that we're going to talk about in a second. But you can't get to that last one without, I don't think, without really coming to an end of yourself in this heart of submission. So when I think of submission, Back up a little bit. This whole chapter right here, Richard Richard Foster, he's exploring like the Dang spiritual Alan discipline. First name basis, I know. Yeah, my buddy Richard. Wow. In his book that he and I wrote together, he, expl- <laughs> he explores the spiritual discipline of submission, which is a challenging concept for a lot of us, right? Submission, where he's talking about it, it doesn't mean becoming a doormat for other people, mm-hmm. which is so often what we think. Like you described, it makes us weak, but it involves yielding our will to God and by extension to others. Mm -hmm. And I think that is such a powerful place where so many times we miss it because we have this entitlement that the longer we're in ministry or the longer we've been in an organization, we start getting that creeping up. Mm -hmm. In project management world, we call that scope creep. So when things start changing and things start getting added to your plate and things goals start getting bigger and bigger and bigger, you start getting fatter and fatter and fatter, it starts creeping, right? And so... Submission is the same way. We've got to get to the place where we consider others as better and more than ourselves. So in Mm -hmm. submission, a person seeks to place the needs of other people before their own, right? Mm -hmm. Leading a life of, uh, and that leads to a life of joy, freedom, and to service, which we're going to hit on in a second. But it starts ultimately with getting to the place where you go, hey, I'm submitting to those in those seven areas that you mentioned. There is one God and I'm submitting to him ultimately, given in my life for everything. There's scripture. I'm submitting my life to the law of scripture. I'm submitting to family and all the fun things that come with that, that you just thought about, listener. Um, submitting to neighbors. I'm submitting to the body of Christ, which Even is the, the church. Even the Karen neighbors. Even the And by the way, neighbors is not just the people who live to your left and right it's and across. everyone. It's everybody. It's uh, submission to the broken. And then finally, it's submission to the world. which And the church to the body of Christ. Exactly. It's to everybody. So we have to get to that place, though, where we die to ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow Jesus mm-hmm. and, and live that life. You didn't mention this, but I would even say there is peace to submission, too. So sure. whenever your life is chaotic and whatnot, you can trust in the scriptures that God is good. No matter what. Absolutely. So yeah. peace come with submission. And I mean, it is freeing. Like I love whenever we get to bless other people. It's a lot of fun. Whether it's financial or just with our time or with our home. Yeah. It's it's a good time. I enjoy it. All right, real quick, last one. You go. Reflect. Last one? Reflection. Go. You go, saw go. the time, didn't you? Yes. It's okay if we go a little bit over. Uh, So the last one, we talked about simplicity. We hit solitude. We hit submission. And now let's hit service. So service. In this chapter, Richard Foster, my buddy Rich, he's talking about... Richie. Richie Rich is focusing on acts of... We're talking about acts right now. 
This is service. So we This is my love language. Dude, it comes so easy for some people like you. And then for some people, it is a struggle bus. But this chapter is focusing on acts of kindness, generosity, and just overall care for people. So he reminds us that that real genuine service stems from a place of love and humility. Again, we talked about this with submission, not from a place of trying to be seen or acknowledged, not trying to be center stage, not trying to be in the limelight. And he separates self-righteous service and true service. And true service is one that's motivated by a deep love for God and for those around you. And I, I love that he gives uh, practical examples in this and advice on how to serve in really simple ways. But man, it's not about what you do. He says it's about living a life that is marked by service. Mm-hmm. And I love this. Listen to this and tell me what you think about it. As the cross, he says, as the cross is the sign of submission, so the towel is the sign of service. How good is that? So good. So, so, so good. Amazing. So... You said you're really, really good at this. So what are some small but meaningful ways that you can or have engaged in service with people around you? Yeah, so I, um, I'm i thankful we've talked about in our finance um, podcast that we created a giving fund. And so acts of service is, can be giving you time. But if I see something where I'm like, so-and-so will like this, let me buy it for them. Just to like kind of let right. them know, I'm thinking of you or hey. or oh, um, kind. Or even, I just love put making people feel valued and like showing my appreciation. Like I stayed the night at, um, at a friend's house. Um, don't worry. His parents was home. Okay. It wasn't my husband. We were, you know, all the stuff, but I, um, with my other podcast, systematic ecology, it was in North Carolina. And so I didn't want to pay for a hotel room. So I stayed with the co-host and his mom and his family. His sister was there. Like everyone was there. Okay. And my own room just you're, wanted you're to okay. point that out. Praise but, God. <laughs> praise God. But like I, um, I, I baked cookies and got a little Charleston mug and stuff. And so I was able to like, yeah. you know, I was like, Hey, thank you so much for letting me stay. Yeah. Um, and got to like serve her in that way just to show my appreciation to them. And so it's kind of like just loving others in a way where they feel the love of God through you. Absolutely. Yeah. That's super good. I also love that he says, um, and this hits on something that's kind of near to my heart that I had to learn later in ministry. When I was first starting, it wasn't this way, but he says, nothing disciplines the inordinate desires of the flesh like service, and nothing transforms the desires of the flesh like serving in hiddenness. Mm-hmm. So good, right? And that I feel like that is sometimes hard, and it goes back to my submission, where it's like, don't you know what all I've done for you? Yeah. And so it, Look at this it list. does. Like, so I truly enjoy doing it. Yeah. But there is a if you don't do it with the right heart, you feel like you either a get taken advantage of or b is unseen but you do get blessings yes it's that scripture where um do you want your blessings here on earth or do you want like it in the kingdom of heaven you know what i mean right so but it's it's a fine line so of course like don't let yourself be walked all over but don't don't do it for the show don't do it don't be like look at me i'm serving look at me i'm giving and do it because you truly want people to experience the love of god overflowing through you and i think that happens I love that. I think that happens when you cultivate a heart of submission. Mm-hmm. And in this case, recently I, I see a lot of, I think ministry has a tendency to do this. You have a skill like playing music or well, playing music is easy to harp on because that's kind of in my 
wheelhouse. Yeah, that's in my like my eyesight, my sight of whatever. Um, and so I, I look at people who are gifted with music and man, they bounce from church to church to church to church. And I understand that that may be a thing that is more common of some folks, but the danger of that to me is that you'd never put down roots. Mm -hmm. And if a tree never puts down roots sooner or later, we live in in the South, we know that hurricanes are going to come. And when hurricanes come, if that tree doesn't have any roots that they put down, and by the way, that takes time to put that down. So you can't just attend a church for a week and a half and call that a root. You've got to have time that you are developing and pouring into the people in that church and attending that service and, and, and receiving the word from that pastor and engaging in that community. And in doing so, you put down roots so that when that hurricane of life comes, mm-hmm. you're shaken, but you're not you know, well, even pushed then, over. With the same metaphor, if you keep on repotting a plant... You're not oh, only come on. you're not only not letting the plant put down roots, but you're like you're destroying the root system. Yeah. They're not getting the nutrients they need, and then they play, they blame the pot. Come or on. they blame it's like it's not getting enough water, or it's not doing this, or it's not doing that. So they will blame anything and everything when reality is like, you no, know, you you are literally like giving yourself, you're leaving a little bit of yourself everywhere you go. You're making a mess. You're, yeah, you're bleeding on people. You pull that directly up out of the pot, that little plant, you pull it directly up and all of those little leaves and mm-hmm. all the dirt falls. You make a mess. Yep. You're, you're literally killing the plant. It's terrible. But granted, like, and we understand if you move to a new area or the church hurt That's is real. Different. Church hurt is very real. We talked about okay, this. Yes, and and this sometimes well. like, sometimes you can't resolve it or it's healthier to be planted elsewhere. So it's different when you are actively seeking yeah. and you're trying to find home. You know what I mean? There's Definitely. like, you need to find your niche. You need to find your people. You need to find home. Like literally one right. of my coworkers who used to um, go with us and like, she, it was, it was a lot of dramatic and whatnot, but I'm like, why aren't you? I was like, why aren't you fitting it? Why aren't you doing this? Why are you expecting yeah. everyone to do everything for you? And she ended up transitioning to another church and was still friends on social media. And I see she's thriving. Like I was like, perfect. Your roots are growing. I'm yep. so happy for you. That's great. Like, truly happy. So you have to have that though. Yes. Yeah. Service is important, but service without submission that ultimately hasn't been born out of a place of solitude and that you ultimately got to because your life was so simple that you had the ability to do that. It's real. These are all really connected. Like you're not going to thrive. You you may not hit every single spiritual uh, discipline a hundred, you know, at a hundred percent, you know what I mean? But like it's, it's the act of being mindful. Right. And, um, just taking it step by step. Yeah. I heard a pastor say one time, um, it's the climb. A pastor said that? That there's always going to be another mountain and we're always going to want to make it move. It's going to be an uphill battle. But sometimes you just have to choose. Well, thanks so much for joining us for this episode, everybody. As always, if you've enjoyed this conversation, be sure to share it with a friend who needs to hear it. And also be sure to follow us wherever you listen to your podcast. Hey, let us know what you want to talk about next. Find well, us on next Instagram. Is part three. Oh, yes, for sure. Next, you can't next, change next. that. Yeah. We're like God. We're unchangeable. Mm-hmm. Unshakable? That's a conversation. Uh, but but find us on Instagram at Taylor Clyde at Elizabeth P. Clyde. Find us on Instagram. Send us a DM with an idea that you think would make for a great conversation on the show. Also, don't miss next week's episode where we wrap up this mini series with a look at corporate disciplines. But until next time, we'll see you soon. Bye.